0: I thought to myself, I should have told everybody we were having a jazz concert at three. If you if you missed it, Stephen, Stephen, Caleb were over here riffing, playing together. I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, one of my uh, earliest memories of Steve Lanciano is he played the trumpet pretty well even back when we were boys. And because of that, they would have him blow the trumpet in the morning to wake everybody up at camp. I don't know how I finagled my way into it, but for some reason I was allowed to walk with him. And the big deal about walking with him... I did not like mornings then any more than I do now. But the big deal about walking with him was he, and then by extension me, were the only ones with permission at that specific time of day to walk through the girls' part of the campground. And for some reason, I thought that was a pretty cool privilege. So I'd get up early in the morning to walk with Steve while he would play. I don't even know what he played. Um, he'd play music to wake wake people up. Then one year, we found out where the camp youth speaker was staying. So after we woke everybody else up, we went ahead on up to his cabin, and we added a little percussion, which was trash can lids banged together, to help him wake up in the morning. He was, uh, if any of you know Irving J. Cunningham, known as Jack Cunningham, Let's just say that Jack Cunningham was less than pleased with our efforts. (laughs) We were quite pleased with our efforts, but he was less than pleased. All right, so I do want to be cognizant of everybody's time. And let me remind everybody, everybody that's online as well as here, is the purpose of these paths forward is to make it possible that we have not rushed through the process of you understanding what is in front of you for a decision in march all right and uh could we have done it all like all of you been very studious and read these and then we take those questions and answer those on the spot and then vote yes i suppose we could but it would have been rushed and you would not have had the due process in time to be able to contemplate and consider and so i know that this has been a long process i realize that there's probably some folks that have read through the paper copies that I handed out and said, I don't have any questions. I'm going home. My belly's full. And that's fine. I don't have any problem with it. Um, But what I wanted to do was make it where we did not have extensive questions that we would have to answer uh, in the business meeting, uh, but rather that we would work through that process now and then be able to take January and February as a time of thought and prayer and reflection so that then we come in into the March annual business meeting, having been in prayerful, reflective mode, and then we vote, and we cast our vote, how we feel led within our own opinion, as well as the spirit, and then we will go from there. All right, so tonight I will answer any questions you have, because this is the last info session, if you will, or vetting session that we will have, but our primary focus is again the last section of the bylaws and then all of the Articles of Incorporation. So I thought by way of intro that I would run over very, very quickly as you assemble any questions you have or any thoughts, um, just what is remaining, okay? I'm assuming you've all read these. These have been now legally vetted, not only by a uh, pastor who is a lawyer, but also then by a Delaware lawyer who herself is a member of the Northeast Church, and a past president of the Delaware Bar Association. So Mindy Campbell, uh, that's how I knew her. She's now married, so her name is Mindy Clifton. Um, She was kind enough to run through these as well, looking for whether they're compliant with Delaware law. So we already knew, the copies you've seen, we already knew over the last six months that they were compliant with general legal theory. So we weren't concerned about that. But was there any particular laws in Delaware that we might be running afoul of or needed some more particular language. Um, and there really was not. All right. So we are, I feel very, very confident with these bylaws. And uh, unless you've got concerns in a particular area that we need to address, um, I am very, very confident that we have done our due process in laying out what we're trying to do. So now the question isn't whether we have laid out well what we're trying to do. Now the question is, Do we or do we not want to do what we've proposed, which is a name change and a structure change with regard to being led by a team of pastors rather than a single pastor? Okay, and that's the boilerplate. That's the bottom line of it. All right. So we have already gone all the way down through uh, Article Three and uh, and Article Four. Or excuse me, Article Three. And so all that's left in the bylaws. So if you have your print copies. I've skipped the Articles of Incorporation right now, and I've gone to the last two pages, okay, of the bylaws. All that you have here, and I've I've introduced this to you all, that it's boilerplate legal stuff. That's why I'm not as concerned for those that went home. Uh, I'm not as concerned if Ray takes his uh, Sunday afternoon nap today. Sister Mary, you can give him a, he, he told me he was very full and sleepy. I said, Ray, you take your best naps in my paths forward. So just come on over here, sit down and take your nap. No, I'm, I'm teasing Ray. Ray's very faithful. Thank you for being here, sir. Um, so Article 4 is basically addressing business meetings. That's the bottom line. It's about business meetings. And business meetings, there's two types. There's an annual business meeting that should be called for every year. And it is our custom to do that every first Sunday of every March of each year. Okay. And so there's specificity about that. And then As needed, there are any other number of business meetings that can be called, again, as needed, and those are called duly called business meetings, where, again, we've got to give you plenty of notice, but it's not our annual business meeting. And so you see the specifics of that. And then finally, you have a uh, specificity about not business meetings, but other subcommittee meetings can be electronic, and that is the benefit, if you will, or the impact of COVID. We, uh, we, we had to do some of that out of necessity and we thought our bylaws probably needed to specifically give us permission to do so uh, in case we face that in the future. But I do want you to note with that statement that that does not allow for our annual business meeting or a duly called business meeting to be done electronically, it cannot. Now I do know there are major corporations that do that And so forth, but we feel within the life of the church, at least at this point, that those kinds of meetings, they need to be still held in person. Okay? So that's what Article 4 deals with. Article 5 basically states those of you that show up that are members, that establishes the quorum. All right? That leaves the burden of responsibility upon you as members. You need to care about this church. You need to show up. When it's a business meeting, you need to show up, Uh, even if it's boring, even if you're not excited. Um, some things in life are not about running the aisles. Unfortunately, I wish all of life was running the aisles, but then I got married and found out there's a whole lot that didn't. Well, I wasn't implying you. I was implying those idiots we had, those five of them. There are some days that you're not as much fun either. So anyway, no, life has some things that you, it's work. That's, that's my point. It's work. It's things that you need to do. It's about keeping keeping things running. So that's Article 4 is the business means Article 5 sets the quorum. Article 6 defines property. And the main thing I want you to understand about property is the church owns the property. No individuals get to buy property with church funds. Now, some of you might be sitting there going, what are you talking about? We've never done that right. And we want to make it so that it keeps staying that way. All right? So the bylaws spec- specify that. Basically, if you read through that, you will find that the purchasing of property is in the hands and the control of the congregation. Trustees can act on behalf of the congregation, but only once the congregation has specifically empowered and directed them. And that's a very important point for you to understand and to recognize, all right? And you'll notice in there also that there is a provision that if we ever cease to exist, If you as a congregation, in the Articles of Incorporation, you'll see a specificity about how you could dissolve the church. Preachers don't get to dissolve the church. A team doesn't get to dissolve the church. A few disgruntled folks in the church don't get to dissolve the church. It's the entire body has to, by two-thirds vote, decide we're not going to exist anymore. But then what happens to the property? It all goes goes to the pastoral team, right? They all get rich. No. Okay, and that's the exact point. You don't make any money. You're not going to. That's not how it's going to happen. You don't get to own property. The church don't get to buy you property. Okay, it's not a get rich squeam, scheme. squeam. Yeah, get rich scheme. And if the church is dissolved, all of its property has to then go to another religious nonprofit organization. It does not go to an individual. All right, and so that's what's specified in Article 6. And then finally, Article 7 of the bylaws tells you how you can amend the bylaws. Your articles of incorporation are not meant to be touched hardly at all. In fact, we haven't touched them in 25 years. And in fact, we're right now looking at legally whether we're going to put in new articles of incorporation or whether there's a mechanism for us to actually take these articles of incorporation, the changes we've made, and simply amend them. And we're looking at which is the better way. But your articles in corporation, you don't touch those. They're not meant to be fixed every five years or dealt with every five years. Whereas your bylaws, your bylaws, if you're changing them every annual business meeting, somebody didn't write the bylaws well enough. If I leave and hear that you had to change the bylaws the very next year, I'm going to be very disappointed because it means I failed at leading us through a process of setting up bylaws in such a way that it gives you the structure and the ability to operate without having to change them. However, as time goes along, unforeseen things can arise where an amendment to the bylaws is appropriate. And if you look at our current bylaws right now, there's a number of amendments. Well, how does that happen? That's what Article 7 is specifying. And you'll notice that just like changing the the name and the articles of incorporation and the bylaws, just like electing new pastors, to amend the bylaws requires two-thirds vote of the congregation. So, again, the power lies in the hands of the congregation. All right? So it has to have two-thirds, and it gives you the procedure by which that can happen. So that is why I've told you, that's it. That's all that's left in the bylaws that we haven't seen. We've already looked at membership, we've already looked at officers, we've looked at the structural changes. So honestly, I'd be very surprised if any of you have anything more than questions about this section, if you even have questions, because again, it's pretty boilerplate. How do you have a business meeting? What's the quorum necessary? How do you buy property? How do you amend the bylaws? That's all that's left in the bylaws, okay? Now, with that said, let me hop over to, now I'm going to go back to the front, okay, if you're looking at your paper document, and run you through very quickly, just as quickly as I did that, uh, the Articles of in Incorporation. Now, if you thought the bylaws were a snooze fest, these are even more of a snooze fest, okay, because these are extremely legal in their in their language. In fact, some people would even say, why do you need these, Aren't we all all Christians? Aren't we all going to operate the way we should? Here's the deal. If you're running a corporation and you're running it well, you need it guarded. Because if somebody shows up that is not right motivated, they need to be constrained by structure. And that's the point of Articles of Incorporation. And the state of Delaware says, look, if we're going to acknowledge you as a corporation, you're going to have to file with us this kind of paperwork so that we know that you're organized and we know how you're organized, all right? And then you better have a set of bylaws that we can refer to if you pull us into court and ask us to adjudicate some dispute or some disagreement, all right? So, Articles of Incorporation are about safeguarding what we're doing, all right? They're very broad. How many of you saw you can start a hospital? How many of you read that we can, you can start a university? Did you read that? Did you, you can you can you can start an orphanage. I mean, <laughs> these bylaws allow us to do way more than we have the capacity to do right now, and that's exactly the point of the articles of incorporation. And by the way, this is—I'll point out to you where we changed. There's only about three articles that we changed in this. This is the same articles of incorporation we've had for the last 25 years, because you want the articles of incorporation to be very broad. And give us permission to operate inside of that broad constraints. But you do want some constraints. So, Article One, it's about our name. So, there is the change of our name. Article Two defines the corporation as its own registered agent. Article Three is the incorporators. Okay, that has to happen at any point when you do that. Article Four says we got to have a seal. How exciting. Okay, that's just for legal transactions. If we ever purchase property, things like that, they want us to be able to have a seal. Article five is that we are a non-stock corporation. We're not selling stocks. We're not gonna be on the stock market. You don't get to trade us. Okay, we're a non-stock, non-profit corporation. And then article six and article seven are really the heart and soul of the Arkansas Corporation. And in a nutshell, what they are defining for us is that we are... First of all, a corporation under the laws of Delaware. Second, we're a nonprofit corporation. And then third, it defines what kind. And you can see that in Section A at the top of the, of the second page. We are a religious, educational, and charitable organization. With the overwhelming evidence be, uh, emphasis being on that religious aspect of education and that religious aspect of charitable. Okay? And then everything else underneath is being specific about that then article 7 says the things we can do in the furtherance of religious educational educational and charitable purposes and that's where we get all those exciting things like a university and a hospital you know we're gonna take on Christianity care that's why i hired Lil years ago we're gonna take on Christianity care no i'm <laughs> come on folks see this is my tap dance i know you're all getting sleepy this is me this is my humor. I'm trying to keep you awake a little bit so you don't fall asleep. No, I I see no intention of us taking on Christianity care. But what it does is could there be in the future some point where the mission of the church came to such a place where suddenly you might be contemplating something that was in that field? Yes. How many ever heard of Catholic hospitals? They're all over the place, okay? So that it's not outside the scope of a religious institution doing something like that. And so all the articles and corporations doing is laying out those things and telling the state we want you to know that we by our own structure have permission to do these things. And the state when they receive this document and accept it then go okay, we understand that. And as long as you stay inside of those guidelines, we're not going to bother you. You got to live by the laws that come with that, but we understand that. So that's what basically article 6 and article 7. Article 6 defines us as a religious educational And charitable organization and article 7 defines the activities the types of activities that can be done in pursuit of religious educational and charitable activities okay article 8 makes the statement again that individual people are not going to make money off of property now that doesn't mean that you can't pay people who work for the church but you'll notice that it says you got to do that according to reasonable pay. But it's not this thing of the pastor gets to own property. Now, I'm going to tell you again, this happens sometimes in churches. Maybe some of you are coming from a background where you might even have some familiarity with that. That has not happened in the two pastorates that have existed, my father before me and my own. And it should not ever happen, no matter what name you're operating under. Now, I know we're in kind of a business meeting. Can I get an amen? All right. So if this church owns property, the church owns property. Okay? You need to fairly pay the people that are working for you if that's the scope that they're that they're operating in. We're not talking about pay here. We're talking about property. Okay? And so that's that's what Article 8 does, is it lays it out that way. All right. Article 9, very important. Federal government says: look, we'll give you nonprofit status, but you can't become a political machine. You don't get to propaganda eyes you don't get the politic you don't get the canvas for one candidate over another now I'm not telling you you can't have political candidates come in you might find yourself in a place where you do but if you do bring them all in whatever you do hit them all that way don't be nice to one and mean to the other Well, I I think Democrats are going to split hell wide open. Well, that's your problem. Get over it. Well, I think Republicans are nasty and mean, and they shouldn't go to heaven. That's your problem. Get over it. This is a church, and we do not define ourselves by politics. We define ourselves by the Word of God. And the federal government basically says, look, if you play around with that, we'll revoke your nonprofit status. That's what Article 9 is stating. No news flashes. is how we always operate. I won't ask you all to raise your hands, but I already know. We got everybody in, under the sun in here with political persuasion and have had for decades. Okay? Show respect to one another. All right? So we can't be involved in the political os- aspect. Article 10, Article 11, and Article uh, 12 are the two articles that we have actually touched in these bylaws compared to our current, excuse me, in these articles of incorporation compared to our current articles of incorporation. Well, why have we touched them? Well, what are they about? They're about officers. They're about the composition of the trustee board. And they're about the composition of the advisory board. And those are the only three areas that there has been some adjustment with regard to the structure instead of there being a single pastor that you would have a team of pastors. So, for example, you'll see designated member of the, of the senior pastoral team as chairperson of the trustee board and of the advisory board. That's an adjustment, okay? That's a change. Other than that, let me reiterate again, these articles of incorporation are the same as what we've got now with the exception of an update of wording here or there. And by wording, I mean literally that, not meaning, wording just so something was more clarified or more clear, okay? So I'm not gonna go over again what is specified in Articles 10, 11, and 12 because you've already seen that structure in the bylaws. So in many ways, we're actually redundant. What we stated in the bylaws are also stated here in the Articles of Incorporation to the extent they're needed in the Articles of Incorporation. So for those of you that are paying attention, I'm almost done with the overview, okay? So I'm not going to waste your time today. Article 13 basically says that as long as officers are behaving themselves and being legal, they don't get to be personally sued if somebody tries to sue the church. And if they are, the church is to the extent that they're able to, they're going to take care of them. They're going to cover their legal costs. They're going to represent them. Because otherwise, none of you are going to be willing to serve in any officer capacity of the church if every time you serve, your entire personal belongings, your house, your car, everything is open to suit. All right. And that's called indemnification. And that's a that's a standard procedure with any corporation that has a board and people that serve on it. Now you go breaking the law, you're fair game. The law's coming after you. We're not going to cover your tail because you broke the law. But as long as you have operated in good faith as that officer of the church, then you're, then you're fine. Article 14 basically specifies that the bylaws will be created by the senior pastoral team and ratified by the congregation, which is exactly what we're doing, okay? You could find yourself in 10 years, 15 years from now, needing a whole other set of bylaws, not a new set of articles and corporations, just a new set of bylaws. This specifies how that happens. So I want you to again notice who's got the power congregation has the power now you're kind of dumb if you don't work with your officers that you elected so it shouldn't be an us versus them there shouldn't be a tug-of-war there shouldn't be a contest or a conflict but the power resides with you nothing passes as far as the articles as far as the bylaws except by your two-thirds vote I can be a very strong leader and I have been you all are used to that in fact you're probably comfortable with it because if you weren't you would have left okay but in the end, I can't walk in here and tell you, hey, we're changing the church name. Hey, we're changing the bylaws. I can't do it. You notice that? I've told you what I think we should do, but I can't just walk in and make that happen. Why? Because the authority resides with you. You, the members of the congregation. Okay? So that specifies that. It lays that out, that that, uh, that responsibility with regard to the bylaws. Um, Article 15 basically says that as long as a person meets the requirements of membership set forth in the bylaws, that they can be a member. It also states that if they don't meet them, then they can be disqualified. And that's a standard legal statement about membership within a corporation. You got to define that. And then finally, Article 16 deals with if the corporation is dissolved, and again, it states how, by two-thirds vote of the, of the congregation, then what happens to the corporation and its assets its belongings and it specifies it doesn't get to go anywhere except to a n- another nonprofit 501c3 corporation okay so that is all that is left and so i want to now kind of open the floor to any questions that come from this section or any catch up questions because my intent is and i want to be very clear i'm not telling you that if we come in in March and we come to that vote and we put it on the floor that you can't ask a question at that point. But I will warn every one of you what's going to happen if you do ask a question at that point. I'm going to ask you whether you attended the Paths Forward. I'm going to ask you, did you ask the question at the Paths Forward? And if you didn't, I'm going to frown at you then let you ask your question, but I'm gonna frown at you because this is the forum where we need to ask the question so that we can thoroughly vet this and everybody has a thorough knowledge instead of being on the gun or on the spot, under the gun and a vote's coming up 10 minutes later. That's no way to make any decision of this level, okay? And that's why we've taken the nine months that we've taken to very methodically work through this, okay? It's very intentional on my part Probably to the driving nuts of most of you, but you can't come back and say to me that I ran this down your throat or you didn't have enough information or you weren't informed or you didn't have a chance to ask questions. And that's that's the whole point so that then we can run the business meeting with this very large decision, very important decision. We can do so in a manner that's very orderly. I think the Bible tells us somewhere that God likes things to be done orderly, decently and in order and we try to run our business that way. If you haven't been with us for a while, if you're new to us, welcome. We're an orderly church, okay? We, we don't believe in acting like Corinth. We'd, we'd rather avoid Corinth, all right? Love them for everything else, but we don't want to be disorderly like Corinth. All right, so I'm willing to take any questions because my intent is, is then pending any changes that are necessary from your questions, and if there are none, It means this now goes into the files. It sits there quietly for two months. We all understand exactly what we're considering, and we begin to pray. Not that you haven't been praying, but that we begin to pray. You begin to think, and I'm also open. If you have a question that arises, write me, call me. Uh, If you see me in person, ask me, and I will answer that question on the spot as well, so that then when we hit March, we have worked through all of our questions, And we know what we're addressing. We know what we're looking at. Does it all make sense? I hope it does, because I've repeated myself at least three times (laughs) in each of these paths forward. And uh, so I wanted to make sure of that. And again, I hope you understand I'm not trying to railroad this last portion. But for those of you that have read carefully and like reading legalese, I think I'm fair in my characterization. This is boilerplate. None of this is real innovation this is boilerplate legal structure, and, uh, and most of us don't live there. I know that, but we still have to, at this juncture, all look at this. All right, so with that said, questions. Does anybody have any questions? And I'd prefer if you have questions uh, that, have, that are from these later sections that we take those first, and then if there are any others that we'll, we'll go back to, whether it's in, in the earlier parts of the bylaws. All right? Anybody have any questions? I see Sister Susan. Let me run back over to her. And again, the reason we want the microphone is there are folks watching online, and so we want them to be able to understand as well. No, no you silly questions. Talk about the senior pastoral team. Yes, is that the whole pastoral team, or do you have a couple seniors? I mean- nope. It's a good question. So let me let me clarify again. So the question is is You talk about a senior pastoral team. Is that the whole pastoral team or is there others? So let me explain to you the logic of the language here. When I began bringing other ministers on board to serve in pastoral roles, at that point, not at the point that I needed an ego boost, not at the point that I felt like I was a a big shot, but at the point where I had other pastors working with me, For clarity of the role, that is when I began to kind of unofficially, because you can't find in our current bylaws even the name senior pastor, I began to call or use as a title senior pastor just as a way of designating who do all those pastors answer to. They answer to the senior pastor. Is everybody with me so far in that? And so by the time we were done, we had built a pastoral team. And Sister Susan, this is why the confusion lies. So it's not a dumb question. It's not a silly question. It's actually a question of process, okay? And it's an absolutely legitimate question. So I did not, however, want to, to stay focused on any differentiation. So I just told you all, there's a, there's a pastoral team. There were nine of us. At the peak, we had nine of us, okay? Myself and Regina, Leela, Sister Debbie, Roy Moss, Megan Arash, Desi and Rachel, okay? That was was the pastoral team. But eight of those people answered to me because I was the only one elected by you. They operated under my delegated authority. And I gave them lots of authority, and I had them take lots of responsibility. I mean, i left you, left my kids, left you for multiple times of 30 days or greater where I was gone. I took a sabbatical. It was two and a half months in which I was gone. Okay, who was running the church? Who took care of things? Those who I delegated authority to, which was the pastoral team. So that is what is in my mind when the Lord says, Leave it, turn the pastorate over to a team. And you remember, I've said this to you multiple times who's succeeding one pastor? A team of pastors. But when doing that, I have enough vision. Now, maybe I got too much vision, but I have enough vision. that what God wants to do through this congregation will reach the point where those three to 11 members of the senior pastoral team will not be enough pastors. So just as there was a senior pastor with a pastoral team, there is now going to be a senior pastoral team and a pastoral team. And that pastoral team is not elected by you. They work under the authority and delegated authority of the senior pastoral team, all of which must be elected by you. So the answer to your question is, senior pastoral team is not all the pastors. It's all of those who are officers. And there can be three to 11. There can't be more than 11. Current bylaws, you can't have more than 11. You, Senior pastoral team, that's right. It has nothing to do with age. Yeah, it has nothing to do with age. So now let me clarify for you now. Right now, fast forward to April. Okay, you ready? Fast forward to April. You vote this through. This is just for sake of example. I'm not pressuring anybody. I'm not assuming anything, but let's use that an example. Fast forward to April. Regina and I are gone. I know, that's a little tough. Today was a little fun. Some of you saw me. This was a tough Christmas giving service for me. I started this two years after I became your pastor. This was a tough giving service to watch. is This is my last one. Okay? But fast forward, Regina and I are gone. So that original nine is now down to seven. Right? If you follow what I'm going to suggest, what I'm going to nominate to you, five of them will be your senior pastoral team. Each of them will have to be voted on by you and passed by two-thirds or greater vote. And they are the officers, along with the advisory board, along with the board of trustees, and they answer to you. Anybody good at math? So we had nine. Virginia and I are gone. That leaves seven. Five are the senior pastoral team. That leaves two, right? So those two right now, you know where they are. They're in Vanuatu. But what have I told you over and over? Desi and Rachel are still connected to this church and still a part of the ministry of this church. We've tasked them to Vanuatu, so they're not preaching in the pulpit every week. They're not in our small groups, but they still have voice into decisions that are happening. They still participate. They're still a part of council. They still pray for us. And as missions work, they could even come home and mission sometimes has gaps, three months, six months, nine months. If they did, this is one of the places that they may, they may come in. They may roost right here for six months before going back to the mission field. They're not voted on by you. They're not officers, but you would receive them and they would operate under the authority of the senior pastoral team as members of the pastoral team. So here's the bottom line. Senior pastoral team has nothing to do with age. It has to do with whether you're an officer or not. That's what it has to do with. By definition, I have enough vision for this congregation that way as you grow campuses and as you plant autonomous churches, that you will need more pastors than just the 11. Particularly if you continue to insist in the way I'm teaching you, that teamwork as opposed to single pastors is the way to go. So it's a two-part structure. Just the same as I've operated, except the senior pastor is no longer one person. It's a team. Did that start to help you? Okay. Brother Vincent, you want to tag on to that or you want to take us another direction? You want to tag on to that? All right. All right. I'm nervous because I found Brother Vincent out in the foyer and he was studying his notes before the session. So I'm a little nervous what we're going to get into here. But no, I, I trust you. absolutely.
1: Okay, I do have a question about the number 11. 11. Is that a combination of the senior pastor and on the, on the other pastoral team?
0: That number, you ready for this? That number is found by much prayer and much fasting. We spent three years praying and fasting to figure out what the perfect number was going to be. And we couldn't figure it out. So we flipped the coin and decided 11 sounded like a big enough number for now. And three was the minimum. So there's no significance to that number. We wanted a large enough span of three to 11. Now, second part of what you may have been asking, that 11, that three to 11 applies only to the senior pastoral team. No. Yes, it could be. That's exactly right. Just like you had one senior pastor, me, and eight other pastors didn't you? You've been operating with that, and that's my, that's my point. Now, what's my vision? I don't want to get too far ahead, because I don't know. I'm not going to be walking that path, but I envision that for every, as you grow and as you build, for every senior pastoral team, I envision that there could be one, two, or three additional pastoral team members, not senior, but pastoral team members that are working with them, and then with them are ministry team coordinators. So you got your three leadership levels there, if you will. It's not about levels, but it's about achieving the goal. That Those ministry team coordinators and those pastoral team members are all operating under the authority of the senior pastoral team members. In other words, you elect those senior pastoral team members, and then they answer to you for their actions. In other words, if Desi and Rachel got up and preached a doofus of a sermon, guess who answered for that? I did, because they operated under my authority. When Leela gets up and, and lights you all on fire for being intermittent attenders, guess who that buck stops with? Me, okay, because I delegated that authority. You with me? You following what I'm saying? Okay, and so I see that as being a way of allowing growth to happen and people being able to serve you in that pastoral role but they but the pastoral team is not elected by the congregation, they are answerable to those that senior pastoral team. In contrast, the senior pastoral team is completely answerable to you all because you're the ones who elected them. And just as I've had to answer to you, they will have to answer to you. That's exactly right. Eleven and but more, but three, a minimum of three. Because obviously two's not a team, folks. So three is the minimum team, and honestly, I hope you never even see three. Honestly, I really think, even at our size, I think what you need as a men is, is, the, is the number I'm bringing you, which is five. It could be. Yeah, I can envision. Now, obviously, you're going to be a whole different ballgame. We're talking multiple services, maybe new campus, maybe multiple campuses. But I can envision that you would have 11 senior pastoral team members, and you could have an additional pastoral team of up to 30 people. Brother Brian, did you want to tag on all of that, or is a separate question? Okay, let me let me pause you for one second. You got your question. Does anybody else have a tag on to Sister Susan's question and then Brother Vincent's clarifying question on that? They're both very good questions. Does anybody have a have a have a follow up to that? That's not clear. You'd like to clarify? Okay. Before we change the topic, I just thought we would pause there. Okay, Brother Brian. Um,
1: so. Um, after March 5th, do we have to elect, uh, does the church have to elect
0: uh, the senior
1: pastoral team?
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Here's what's going to happen. Thank you for asking that because I have no problem telling you what's going to happen. So, when we walk in on March 5th, we'll do the financial report for the year and then the very next order of business will be, I will place before you in two votes a vote on whether you want to change the name and a vote on whether you want to Approve these bylaws, these articles of incorporation, and these bylaws. Okay, the only reason I'm separating those two votes is so that if it is, if one or the other is is um, voted in the negative, we know why. It's not you voted in the negative, but it was because y'all didn't like the name. You actually were okay with it or vice versa. So by separating the two, that way we know what you didn't like. If they both pass the very next thing that will happen is I will read my letter of resignation. And that letter of resignation will be effective March 31st. The only reason it's not effective that day is because there are um, legal and fiduciary responsibilities that I can't hand off until we have a new structure that new structure has to be voted in by that vote that you would be taking on the name and on the structure. So that gives me about three weeks to make those adjustments and then officially step back to let it go, okay? Once I've read that letter of resignation, effective March 31st, that letter precipitates a vacancy. You, as of March 31st, don't have a pastor. So in that very same meeting, immediately following my letter, because of my letter, I will then, as my last act, I'm still pastor, but I've told you I'm resigning. I will then present to you the five names, and I haven't named them because I want you all staying focused on the structure, but if there's nine, two are me and Regina and we're gone, and the other two are in Vanuatu, that leaves you five you're probably pretty close to the five names I'm going to present to you. In other words, it's no newsflash to everybody, okay? Those five names will be presented to you individually, and you will, by secret ballot, vote on each one of them. And they will become effectively, Pastor, April 1st, because I'm effectively stepping down March 31st. Now, in operation, it'll be a, it'll be a transition. Okay, it'll be a process that I'll start handing things off, and and a lot of the things that I could legally and fiduciarily hand off even before they were within my authority to do, we've already been doing that. You've seen that. You've already, we've been operating that way even before I knew I was leaving. I was giving authority to carry out certain operations within the church. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I had to to noodle on that for a little bit, Brother Brian. That was not a simple question. Like, how do we we make this transition? Because I know how to do it pastor to pastor. But how do you do it where if I, because if I resign before you pass the bylaws, then you have to elect one pastor. But that's not what we're doing. We're going to elect a team. Well, we need a new structure that would allow that. They would not. That's correct. And I will not be, that's right. I will not at this point be presenting their names. Now, that could change. And it could change, there could be other people that would come and serve with you. But all of that would have to come before you in a duly called business meeting. It wouldn't have to be the annual one, but it would have to be a duly called business meeting, and you all would have to be able to vote yes or no. And again, all that's specified within the bylaws, the process of that. Okay? Yes, Marcus, you did have a question early on, and I kind of Skipped over you for Sister Susan, and then Brother Vincent had been doing his homework. And before we were done, this is another one I'm nervous about giving the microphone to, but okay, here we go. Uh, in the articles of incorporation, Article 7,
1: where it lists all the different kinds of things the church is allowed to do, under Part E, it says orphanages, home through the homeless, shelters, soup kitchens, etc. Is there a reason home is singular while all the rest are plural, or is that a typo?
0: lovely. <laughs> teach a kid how to do English and then he bothers you about it. Alright, so Article 7, is that correct? What's What subsection? No sir, there is not a reason and I will, uh, that is an editorial one and I will, you can go count yourself proud, which I already know you are. That you have impacted the Arkson Corporation, I will change that to orphanages, homes for the homeless, shelters, soup kitchens, low-income housing, senior citizens' homes, nursing homes, medical facilities, hospitals, cemeteries, and or any other such facilities as the corporation may deem necessary. He will be intolerable for like three weeks now. And this is the boy he hated English, but he's gotten very good at. No, that's, that's, you want to know the honest answer, Marcus? Don't, don't, don't tell him I said you, but told you this, but that was the result of your grandpa Beardsley just not paying attention. And then me not paying attention to him. That's it. Yes, it is. It's absolutely. That's why I didn't, I mean, we did go over them to try to, but I didn't catch that. Any other questions. Again, first and foremost from this, from the Articles of Incorporation and from those last couple of articles of the bylaws, but then also as you've already heard by extension, anything else that's not clarified. Some of this is complicated enough or it's not where you live that that was the other reason why I was very comfortable with us spending nine months with this because I knew it would take you some time of listening, of reading, of processing for some of the questions to arise and and i i'm happy for that i want you to be able to ask every single question that you have so that you go in with clarity with clarity any other any other questions Oh, no, I, actually, I, I will put it over the microphone and you tell me if I got it clarified. So Steve asked me uh, specifically, um, do the bylaws address, or, or, or is it okay for, for instance, our church, if we were in relationship with another apostolic organization, ALJC, for example, Semmons of the Lord Jesus Christ, or what was the other group you mentioned? Yeah, Pentecostal Semmons of the World, different different ones. Do the bylaws address that? And this is the reason this is a great question. I appreciate you reminding me, Steve. um, Is that there are some things that are not addressed in the bylaws. I didn't. I didn't finish it. Can we fellowship with them? Can we share in a service with them? Can we do joint ventures or joint projects with them, etc.? Okay. And the 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 reason. First of all, I told Steve, I said, the bylaws don't even address this. I said, the answer to your question would be a a case-by-case decision of the senior pastoral team. Okay? Now, this is a great example, and the reason I like that this is brought up, so thank you for reminding me, Steve, is that there are many, many things about the operation of the church that are not specified in the Articles of Incorporation and are not specified in the bylaws. And the reason is, is because you do not want to lose the ability within boundaries to have the flexibility to do ministry and to carry out your business. And so you only put in the Articles of Incorporation the things that should be at that top level that are basically legally needed to safeguard the corporation and make it compliant with the law for the state. You only put in the bylaws those things that are necessary to guard the corporation as a membership agreement. Then the next level down is policies. And if you read the bylaws, the policies are set by the advisory board. That's one of their primary roles is to set policies. Policies are changeable. And they're meant to give guidance to the day-to-day operation of the officers you've elected, namely the senior pastoral team. I would be very surprised if you'd even choose to make a policy about what you just said. So you've got Articles of Corporation, that's the state mandates. You've got bylaws, that's the congregational mandates. You've got policies, that's the advisory board mandates. And then you've got the day-to-day operations, that's where you trust your officers. The only reason not to trust your officers is if you, <laughs> the only reason not to give your officers the freedom to carry out the day-to-day operations is if you don't trust them. And I've never understood that if you don't trust them, why did you elect them? But that's when you vote no. And I've seen this on the national level. We elect these officials, and then we hamstring them. We don't give them any ability. Like I found out the Global Missions, for example, forgive me, United Public Church, if I wasn't supposed to say this. This may have changed, but a few years ago, Global Missions run in a 40, 30 to $40 million annual budget of missions work. And the officers, the general the general director, the general secretary, they had less than, you ready for this? Less than $100,000 of funds that they had the ability to exercise discretion over. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. If they're that untrustworthy, fire them. And if they're trustworthy, Loosen their hands a little bit and let them go. Because what happens when an opportunity arises? They got to go through a bunch of boards to get any motion on it? That's crazy. It doesn't make any sense at all. So there's a balance that we're trying to achieve in what goes where. And that's where some mistakes are made many times, is that church members want to lock everything into the bylaws. No, you lock things that need to be locked into the bylaws. Then you empower the advisory board, which you also elect, by the way to set policies and then you trust the senior pastoral team to operate and you elect them too. Does that answer your question? So that specific question that Steve asked about, you know, would we fellowship with or do do joint ventures with or that kind of thing with a, another apostolic organization, that'd be totally in the current scenario, that'd be my call. And I would probably take it to the team and we talk it through and See whether we had right relationship and felt comfortable with it, and then we would proceed. So it's a good example, not just the specific question, but it's a good example that not everything is specified in the bylaws, and it shouldn't be. That's, that's my point. It shouldn't be. You want what is what is necessary to guard the church in the bylaws, and the rest, you let it operate inside of either policy or those who are carrying out the day-to-day operations. Any other questions? Brother Wayne. Also, Joyce, are you, you're monitoring online? Okay, so we don't have any questions coming from online? All right, good. That's fine. Okay, do the um bylaws change every so many years or just when the structure of the church changed? Excellent question. So bylaws, in my opinion, change based upon the needs of the church. Your first way of changing the bylaws is amendments. And it's specified that you can do that. So if there's a and and usually those are not huge moves, but those are micro steps, things that that might need to be tweaked slightly, language that needs to be adjusted, maybe an extra provision put in, that kind of a thing, and you do that by amendments, okay, which means then that this kind of change of the bylaws, like what I'm bringing to you, a whole new set of bylaws, the way that we've reworked them. My opinion is, is that at a minimum, if we've written these bylaws correctly, they should serve you at least a decade, unless you're, unless you are radically changing, and we've written them so that you actually, you should be able to you should be able to literally grow ten times, multiply campuses, multiply churches, etc., and still not need to change the bylaws, because it's already structured for that larger vision. Now I can tell you, in the life of the church historically, we had a boilerplate set of bylaws when we started. We then, yeah, we then changed them in roughly 1998. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head but if any of you that have the old set of bylaws you know where it was signed there uh I was going to ask Rick because he signed them but he's as old as I am so he probably don't remember the exact year either
1: (laughs) he was looking lonely over there I thought I'd
0: give him some love um but it was somewhere in in like 97 98 somewhere in there correct and we were we got married in 96 and now this is the third set so the answer is no I don't think they change frequently In fact, if they're done well, they shouldn't be. They should be done at key points where a major shift in the structure, precipitated either by vision and or growth, causes that to happen. And even some of those shifts you can handle by amendments. But then at a certain point, amendments start getting clunky. And that's when when it's probably better to basically come back to square one. It's not that you throw the whole thing away. We never threw away our last set of bylaws. A lot of the things that are in these bylaws are exactly the same, but we adjusted and changed the things that needed to change. Okay. Good question. Thank you, sir. Any others? And I'm not belaboring. We're at we're at three fifty-five. So we've only gone fifty-five minutes. I'm not. I can already tell you we're not going to four o'clock. Okay. Or excuse me, till five o'clock. We're not. Yeah. We're, we might go to four o'clock, but we're not going to five o'clock. Okay. I promise you, we're not going to five o'clock. I'm not going to drag this out. But also, because this is the last one, I do want to make sure that anyone that has any questions, that you have the ability to ask those questions. Again, not that I won't answer them again. And it's not that I won't allow you to ask them at the business meeting. But I'd rather that we ask them now where we're not under the pressure of a time constraint, um, which we will have a certain amount of at the annual business meeting. It's just it's just the mechanics of, of time. Because we got a lot of business to transact that night. You think about it. The annual report, which can't be done until then, and then these two votes, and then my letter of resignation, and then electing new officers, which isn't just that, but advisory board members, secretary, treasurer, etc. So we have a fair amount of business there, so I'd rather keep things moving as much as we possibly can that night. Any other questions that have arisen? All right, everybody should have a print copy. If you don't, now, if it's at home, don't pick up a new one. But if, if you don't, there are some out on the kiosks there. So in the absence of any questions, and if one arises over the next two minutes, that's fine. I want to I wanna address one other thing with you. Um, and I, I will address this in a number of ways and a number of times. There will be a couple more times where I'll be speaking to you. One definitely before um, before March. You have to distinguish, and I think this group, you've done a pretty good job. Okay, it's been hard, but I've given you the time to be able to do it. You've got to distinguish between what you're feeling, processing, about the fact that God has said, my time, Stephen Beardsley's time, is drawn to a close. You've got to separate that from the decisions that are in front of you, which is our the path forward. Okay, don't conflate the two, don't mix the two. I already know that the vast majority of you, if I put it to a vote, can I leave, you would vote no. Thank you for loving me, I appreciate that, I do. There are moments that are tough as I look at leaving. Today was one of them. Okay. I'm not, I'm not clicking my heels. I'm not dusting my hands and going, thank God I'm out of here. No, 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 no. I love every one of you. I've I've not been fake with you. I've not been disingenuous with you. I have given you everything that I have, but I have told you for years, we serve a King. And he's the boss. And so we trust him. And I do know that voice. I've lived my life by that voice. It's either God or y'all need to get out of here because I'm listening to something that I shouldn't be listening to. But I've been preaching sermons to you off that voice. I've been leading and guiding you off of that voice. I've been leading my family off of that voice. So, you know, Rick, I'm, kinda, I'm kind of assuming it's God. I'm, I'm going to stick with that voice because it's the voice that talked to me at 12 and 16 and all the way through. I want you all to know, and you need to understand, that I am not rejoicing about leaving. But at the same time, I do believe in you. I believe in the vision that is God's. And I believe that if he's asked me to leave, there's a reason. And that as hard as this transition is going to be and is, he has great things in store. And so I'm going to walk in faith and I'm going to challenge you to walk in faith. And that's the posture that you need to go into this business meeting with. That's why I wanted to take the mechanics of this, get it done in an orderly fashion, and then be able to set it down and us get into the spiritual decision making. That is a part of the process. That's the key. And I believe in all of you. I know you know how to do this. You've been raised. My father taught you well, and I have continued afterwards. This pastoral team has taught you well. You know how to pray. You know how to get a hold of God. And I trust you. I trust you. Second thing is, as much as I don't like it, I do know how to do this transition. In fact, my faith walk is not this transition. My faith walk is, okay, what's on the other side for me? That's my faith walk. That's why for months now, God has said to me, you take care of leaving, I'll take care of where you're going. And he's not had to give me a bunch of words from on high about how to take care of leaving, because this plays into my strength. Because honestly, this is no different than casting vision about going to a place This is about casting vision. This is about the path forward. The hard part is it's just I'm not on that path with you. But I know how to cast vision. I know how to lay out structure. I know how to lay out plans. Some of the things that I've done in the last five to seven years, I can look back and I thought I was doing them for this reason, and I was, and then I realized, oh, wow, God, you had a whole lot more in mind. I began to take missions trips, and part of the reasons I did is because I had opportunity to teach. I had a skill that I could share with people. But I also felt that I needed to create some distance, some space, so that this pastoral team that I was building could step up. Now, I'll be honest with you, the first time was a bit of a dud. I'll laugh about it, but I left, and I came back, and they had white-knuckled it through 30 days and punted on almost decision they could possibly punt on I got home. (laughs) And I went, that was not what I wanted you to do. (laughs) So we went back to the drawing board and we did it again and again and again. And each time they have begun and have, have absolutely grown in their ability to step into that gap and to take that responsibility and to exercise those decisions. I thought I was just doing it because it was good for the church. It would grow the pastoral team and there was missions work to be done. I now realize God had a larger agenda that was going on, too, because he knew. He knew about that conversation that was going to happen in July of 2020 with me. Okay. And so as those things happen, there are things that I understand that I need to do and I understand why I'm doing them. And then I've learned by faith that even when I think I understand why I'm doing them, why it's necessary in a process, that there's usually another reason behind it as well so i'm going to tell you about one of those things that's a part of this transition and it's in keeping with my first statement i don't want any of you here because if you were if you were faithful enough to get done with that food and come over here and try to stay awake okay then you're the crowd. i want to talk to it's not that everybody else that went home doesn't matter that's not my point but you're the crowd i want to talk to because i don't want you to interpret actions of transition as being callous on my part and not caring for you. And that may well be me being neurotic, but you know what folks, that's the love you've gotten from me. And so you're just gonna have to put up with me being a little more neurotic to make sure that you know, even though I gotta leave because the master's told me to, I love you all with everything in me, okay? And, and, and I might not need to say half of what I'm gonna say right now, but it's important for me to say it. And so even if I don't need to say it for you, Be nice to me and let me say it because it'll make me go home and feel a little bit better. Because this whole process, if you think it's crap for you, it ain't fun for me either. All right. Now, I don't feel sorry for myself and I don't feel sorry for you because we're in the hands of a king who does all things well. Amen. He's done all things well in the past. And by faith, we know he's going to do all things well in the future. So we're going to walk in that. So one of the things is, is my wife and I have learned that we get these senses, we get this feeling, these directions from God. And one of those is, is you're going to see me very much absent starting with my annual vacation in January and probably through the entire month of February. That is not me just suddenly going, I'm done with these people and I'm out of here. That's my fear that you will think that. That's not what it is. I don't even totally understand it. I know that there's some things one of them is i need to get away from you in order to write a letter to let you know how much i love you in my resignation letter i need to i need some headspace i need to be in a place where i can think that through so that i can articulate to you what i need to articulate to you but it's not even just that there's just this sense that it's time it's time to give space in that discernment those two months of discernment that i'm not distracting you cuz you all are you're watching some of you, and thank you for your kindness. And if you didn't come up and say anything, I doesn't mean you didn't see it. But some of you watched me struggle this morning. Some of you watched me in the altar and you know. But this next two months, January and February, has got to not be about me. It's got to be about the path forward. And so I, I this is the part I understand. I need to just be away a little bit. So starting, I'm going to go on my normal vacation. But you all kind of can set your clock by. You all know how that works. In fact, you've all sighed a breath of relief and enjoy a few weeks of a little less energy level because I'm out of here. Now, the bad news is the whole senior pastoral team's in town, so I don't know what's going to happen this time. Energy level might stay up. But my point is, is starting with that, I am, as, as things are allowed, and I don't have everything ironed out, but there's a very good chance that I won't be home until after winter fire, which is the last week of February. Okay, I'm not abandoning you. I'm not leaving you. I think it's a part of what God has directed me. It's a part of this next step preparing for the decision in March. And then once that decision is made one way or the other with regard to March, if it is in the affirmative, then I'll have three to four weeks there where we're working very hard to finalize handing everything off. Which brings me to the final. On March 26, I will preach to you. The very next Sunday, if I don't know where I'm going, I will be finding a church that's within driving distance of where I live right now, but I can't keep coming here because I'm going to keep distracting you from the path forward. And that's not comfortable. It's hard to understand, but I have to do that. One side of me wants to be able to tell you where I'm going and what's going on, but I can't yet. I don't have it. The moment I do, I'll tell you, I promise. You'll be the first people that I want to tell. Okay? I want to share it with you. I want to celebrate with you. I want to cry with you, all those kinds of things. But I don't have that. And the sense that I have from counselors that I am in constant conversation with in my prayer life is is I get the sense from God that I'm not going to know anything until I have completed all of my duties here. What one counselor said to me that makes a lot of sense is he said, Steve, you're asking this congregation to take a step into the future that is completely faith. They got no nothing beyond God that everything's going to be okay. You need to take that same step of faith with them. Your step is different than theirs, but you're going to take that same step That when we step into that future, when we go to the path forward and we begin to walk, just as, I can give you example after example, just as Moses dropped his rod out over the sea, just as Joshua and the priest dropped their foot into into the Jordan, and on and on. When those steps of faith were taken, it was only once they took that step that God showed up and the miraculous occurred. Not before. In that moment. This advisor that really resonates with my spirit, he said to me, Steve, he said, I think you would be distracting to the congregation. You need to finish your duties with them, and you're walking in faith just like they're walking in faith. And so that's, I feel very peaceful with that. And that's how I'm operating. I'm operating under that understanding. And so I want you to understand that I'm not clicking my heels and running off into the hills shouting, thank God I'm free of the people. Whereas the, as Martin Luther King said, free, thank God almighty, I'm free at last. No, that's not what I'm feeling. In fact, I feel the opposite. I feel, I'm like, oh, I love these people. I love this service, watching you come and watching you in connection and relationship. And it was tough to watch it and know it's my last one. At the same time, if you haven't gotten the memo, we're doing this, people. Okay, we're doing this. We're going to walk in faith. And I believe in all of you, and I believe that we can do it. And that's not me pressuring you about the decision in March. I'm just talking about I believe that just as, you, just as you had faith to ask me to stay as a young man, when I could have left on a Ph.D. program and other things, and many of you weren't even here at that time, I believe you're going to have the same faith when I'm saying to you, you got to release me. you got to let me go and believe in your path forward, believe in what the King is, is doing. Part of that is for me to be gone most of the month of February. And so I wanted to introduce that to this 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 group of people so that you don't misinterpret that, that you don't misunderstand that, okay? Um, and the two girls will be with us because we still got to school them. They have not yet quite reached <sighs> Marcus and Caleb and Vincent's levels of maturity. Well, information at least. I don't know if it's maturity. Did I have it right the first time? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure I did anyway. But um, so the two girls will be with us. And that's another thing is that we have, to, we have to step back. My family has always been heavily involved in the church, not because we make them, but because they choose to. Marcus and Caleb can continue to do that for a few years as they're still in school and living with grandma and grandpa and pursuing things in their life. The girls have got to step back. And you all have to adjust a little bit with regard to that. And that's hard as well. I don't want any of that to be misinterpreted as we are just shutting down on you. We're not, but we are gonna take the right steps so that the transition that we're the path we're on, that path forward is the right one. Make sense? Does anybody have any question for me about that? That's very personal. I understand that that doesn't technically have to do with the bylaws or the articles incorporation, but it does have to do with the process. And, and you can, please, as you are hurting, come and tell me you're hurting. Come and hug on me. Come and cry. You know, I have, I have I have folks come and say to me, We're gonna do the best we can with the next. It's good. Let's let's do that. I agree with that. Don't hide from me. Let's 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 hurt together. But let's also keep going where we're going. Brother Brian and then uh, brother Ray. Yeah,
1: um how, how does that mean like after um, um after this is all over uh, that we won't see your you, we won't see your father again?
0: Good good question about my dad and my mom. So, yeah. So, let me be very transparent with you about my parents. So, and mom and dad know that I am. The problem is if they didn't want me to be, they shouldn't have raised me the way they did. <laughs> and all of you have been around for a long time, so you know how they raised me. Uh, much the way they raised you. <laughs> this is a plain spoken church. This is a church that doesn't hide about things, okay? So, I do not want you to think I'm dishonored my mom and my dad. But my mom and dad are just simply flat out unhappy with what I'm doing. That's the bottom line. I finally, a few, ah, about a month ago, my dad finally reached the point where he looked at me and he said what he should have said for months. He says, I have a right to be selfish. I said, yes, you do, Elder. And as long as you understand that you are being selfish, we don't have a problem. But when you gussy it up, that it's either the devil causing me to be deceived or I don't hear the voice of God or any number of other things that you all know. My dad can play tough. Not just play tough. He is tough. He's wolves. They're wolves. They're tough people. Okay? Um. That's where the problem lies. So, Brother Brian, the answer to your questions, I'm not sure. Because right now, I've said to him, I said, it's not going to change, Dad, so why don't you just come back to church? Well, no, I'm not going to do that. So I do know that it has somewhat to tie, it's tied into the decision that I have made, that I feel that I've heard from God. Um, I'll be very blunt, too. Mom and Dad are getting old, and I don't. they're just getting old. Um, and so I don't know how much that's factored into the picture as well. And I just don't have an answer for you of what Mom and Dad are going to choose to do. I will tell you, I'm not estranged from my parents. I see my parents. I go by and visit them. Uh, Allie's gone and visited with, visited with them and met them. I mean, we're not we're not hiding from my parents. We celebrated Thanksgiving together. But yeah, my dad's dad is just simply not happy. It's mainly my dad, too. My mom's not real comfortable with it, but she wouldn't take the kind of stand he's taken. They just are not comfortable with the choice that I've made. And I have told them flat out, You know you're not living the way you taught these people. And you all have been very, very kind to extend grace. But I'm also very proud you also haven't wavered, which means he taught you well. And you have been obedient to what he taught you. And I will tell you, when we get to heaven, that's what Papa would want. Whatever he thinks right now, that's what he'd want. He told you that for years, didn't he? He told you, I want to train you and I want to teach you in such a way that even if I leave what I've taught you, you will stand true. But your question and your love for my dad, I don't have an answer for you. I don't know. They're physically safe. I've gone to God about spiritually. I've said, I've said to God, are my parents in spiritual peril? And I have felt from him, I don't feel like I'm in denial because you know I'll duke with whoever I need to duke with if I need to. I've felt the Lord say, I have your parents. So, but I don't know. I thought you were going to say, "Are you ever going to see me again?" <laughs> which was <laughs> on the one hand, I'm glad that that's not what you asked, because some of you have asked, because it does need to be a period of backing up and of separation, but that does not mean, uh, that does not mean that I can't ever return that kind of thing. but it need, we need to make a transition. But I'm glad you didn't ask that. I'm glad that you were actually asking, asking, asking about my debt the Ray, you did stay awake. I noticed that. And it was it Mary digging in your ribs? Oh, now see, you were doing really good until you threw her under the bus. Mary, I didn't think you were asleep either. I think you both stayed awake. Did you fall asleep? Well, you know what the problem is? Take that blooming coat down and stop feeling all warm and snuggly. My wife does that all the time at home. She gets all under her blanket and she's, at, she's like, Oh, I'm sleepy. I'm like, take the blanket down. Stop being warm and snuggly. <laughs> I just answered it. Yes. You will see me again. You are probably stuck with me a long time because you're way too competent. I'll poach you for things. I'll take one with me. Hey, I want to be treated as a visitor. I get to go to the guest reception. Maybe you'll have upgraded to the stakes that Arash is always talking about. Yes, I would have to take the new classes. Absolutely, I would. I would. Brother Moss took all of the classes as well, so yes. I would have to take all the classes. No. Well, I hope I don't have to start at the bottom. I've already taken those, but. Well, I, I kind of wrote them, but anyway, no, no, no. And and if and again, I don't want to get ahead of us, but if if you vote in the affirmative, and that's an if, okay, that's in your hands. But if you vote in the affirmative, there is a process of of installing the new pastors, and that doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't mean they don't have authority, but there's it's more the the formality piece. And uh, and I would most likely be coming back for that, okay. To, to be a part of that process of, of that. But we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. First step is getting to that business meeting, making that decision, et cetera. Yes, Antoine? I do have a question. All right, um, I know you need time away. We understand that. And I get it. But even though you would be away, in
1: the event you would be here, locally, would you feel okay coming to an event, not necessarily church
0: services, would you come to a don't you? No. So, No, no, I will not. and, And this is really hard. And that's why I said what I said to you about how it feels to you. I want you to understand this runs against everything in me. I know how to touch every one of you. I have touched every one of you. I have real relationship with every single one of you. And it is the lightest of touches and I can touch you but that will hold you back from the path forward. We all are. I would love to be selfish too. Trust me, the senior pastoral team would love to be selfish too. They would feel much more comfortable, but all of it is time for us to then step onto that path forward and trust that the heavenly father's got us, not just how he had us before, but that he has us going forward legitimate question, and and I'm, thank you for asking it. Yes, Joyce. Okay. Depends on, are they allowed to contact me? So here's, here's the, here's the deal. What you're going to have to do initially, you're going to have to have a really good reason to make contact with me for me to to interact with you because it's going to mess with your path forward. As we have more distance and as you get into that path forward and life actually feels better, you actually can see this path and you're like, well, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And you see what God is doing. Then with the appropriate ethical standards that we all operate with, by all means, I can reach out. to You can reach out to me. And what I will do, I'll tell you straight up what's going to happen is, If you contact me, the senior pastoral team will be looped in. And it could be nothing more than, you know, you're sending me a birthday card. I'll still let the pastoral team know so that they're aware. But if it's obviously something more, I don't want to become um, in any way at odds. Yes. I can't do it. It's not biblical. It's not the way it'll work. It's not healthy for you. And it's not healthy for me. Okay? Okay. And the reason I kind of did a consternation is, is many of you know that before Joyce took secular employment, Joyce worked first directly as, as executive assistant. She kind of took Leela's role as I moved her up, executive pastor, to the whole team. But she also worked very closely with Leela and I personally. And so the reason I hesitated, Joyce, is because depending upon your – there are things in my future that I've told you, you're probably stuck with me because I like your work. And I may become – so that's why I kind of hesitated it depends upon what the context of it is but the holding on to the past no we've got to seize the future um a little more squishy with the girls they're they're not your leaders they're just right just don't just don't tell me yeah because they're they Kids, they're members. If somebody transfers to another place, don't you stay in contact with them? Aren't you friends with them, etc.? That's
1: exactly there. You go, that's exactly right, Richard. I I was just gonna add to what Ant, what brother Antoine was saying. This, for me, this is the second time this has happened, yes, okay. And so, his dad was my pastor, part of it that I think that he's mad is because it's happening again and we didn't want it to happen this soon. And the second reason why we're and I know Steven has mentioned this before, I'm not, I, I have mixed emotions. Okay. And one side of it, I've been here for 40 years. And, but then I, the reason why we're going to the team model is to ensure that now this will be the last time this will ever happen so so to answer kind of what he was saying to you he won't come back because his dad made it clear when if steven wasn't installed as pastor he would have to leave it would not come back because it's it's a principle with them and i get it so you know i won't expect to see you know someone that i grew up with for 40 years but I've been trained enough to know that when God has spoken through, whether it was him or Brother Beardsley, Elder Beardsley, it's going to be okay. We're going to have to go through some pain and some adjustment, but it will be okay. And we will be okay. So I wanted to to tag off of what you said. Yeah, they're not going to downright ignore us and all that, but we, but Again, we also as a people have to give them their space to go through it as well in their way, just like we have to. But I am thankful that we will not have to go through this again. Um, because it's all about relationships.
0: And that and that's a that's an excellent point, Rick. Thank you for first of all, thank you for everything you said there. And but that is an excellent point that I kind of feel bad I didn't make more clear, which is that is one of the benefits is that there are some of the things of this, that if this works and by God's grace and faith in him, it will, you will not have to do this again. You'll have transitions. Yes. But they will be much more natural and much more easily done. And there won't have to be the sharp lines. Um, because you could have transitions of somebody that's on the senior pastoral team that's going to pastor another campus. You could have a transition that they're actually going to start an autonomous church, maybe even across the world, but but you're not gonna have the pastor. You're not gonna have that break. And Rick's not wrong. We have gone through this one time and the congregation, by the way, struggled just as heavily. I was the incoming pastor Do me a favor. Once you've made your decision, get your attention to your new team. Because I spent a few years, and I'm not begrudging you, but I spent a few years where everybody was grieving about mom and dad. Meanwhile, I'm there serving, and everybody's focused on mom and dad because they're losing the contact. So you had a season here to grieve, and you're allowed to still grieve, but also seize the path forward. But I do believe that part of, the, part of the biblical model of this teamwork is we won't ever have to do this again. I'm not sure this is the way it's supposed to be. And it hurts real bad, and you won't have to face it again. And Rick's right. You do have to, for your own sake of seizing the path forward, you got to move on. But you've also got to give me space to, 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 to go where God leads and directs as well. Now, does that mean that you never see me again? I never show up in here? No, 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 no. It doesn't mean that. But it means it'll have it'll be in its proper place and proper timing. And you'll be surprised. You will move on. And you'll be surprised that somebody so integral like myself will not be integral in actually a lot quicker amount of time than you realize. Because the kingdom will move on. All right. We good. All right. Again, I took an extra 30 minutes. That was all for me. Thank you. I might not need to have said any of it, okay? But I want you all to know how much I love you, and I don't want you to misinterpret the necessary steps we have to take to seize that path forward, okay? And I'm committed to it. My Father, before me and myself, we did not raise you to do anything but sees that path forward to follow the leading and the guiding of the spirit. And I know you're all going to do it. We're doing it. We're in the midst of it right now. And I believe in you. All right. That's it. You are dismissed. Your day is done. I got about another three hours to go, but you guys are good. Head on out of here. Thank you all for your faithfulness. Thank you for being here.